0: Life doesn't always turn out the way you thought it would, and we know that firsthand.
1: We were both homeschooled in a band together called Emma Whedon, grew up in the Bible Belt of Texas, and raised with fundamentalist Christian values.
0: We both went to Texas A&M University. Whoop! We were both married with children, later divorced, and we've been navigating relationships post-divorce for better or worse, probably worse. I'm crying. As we all know, there is a lot of power in having someone to talk with about what's going on in your life. And that's how this podcast started.
1: Just two friends hashing things out. We don't have the answers, but we are pretty close. Just kidding. We hope these conversations resonate with you as we reflect on the irony, tragedy, comedy, and the oh-so-tangled webs we weave.
0: I'm Cecilia Rhodes.
1: And I'm Joe Hameter. Welcome to Tricky Situations. Hello, everyone. It's Joe here. We hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Um, We've loved hearing back from some of you. Um, There's been people who've reached out and we've gotten some pretty good feedback so far. So that's um, pretty encouraging and uh, great to hear. So, uh, yeah, we love hearing from y'all. And um, please don't hesitate to reach out Facebook, Instagram, or comment on the actual podcast um, spots. I know some of you have commented on uh, the Apple podcast uh, platform and um we definitely like hearing from everyone because we want to see how it's being received and you know if this is relevant information to anybody's life uh, we think it is but it's it's always great to get um, confirmation of that um so yeah i mean uh let us know what you think and like and subscribe as uh, the old saying goes um, one note you may notice in the the last episode, and also in this upcoming one, and also the two episodes that are coming after that one, which we've already recorded, that it um, throughout the episode it kind of abruptly stops, and it might seem like we change topics or you know we kind of try and pick up where we left off. Um, we're f- basically fumbling into this t- from a production standpoint, and. We've recorded uh, a number of the episodes on my iPad and I am a dum-dum when it comes to um, making a professionally produced podcast, Uh, but it's going to get better, we promise, after that, so just kind of bear with us. All right, episode number two. Uh, In this episode, we talk about death. That was something that was um, a topic that was relevant in Cecilia's life, and so we, uh, we dive into some of that and kind of our experience um with death of friends family etc and uh that leads into some conversation about counseling um and just other things regarding mental health in general so uh we hope you enjoy this episode and we look forward to hearing from you thanks guys Here we go, podcast number two.
0: Episode two, hitting the books.
1: So, how was your day? What's going on?
0: Um, my day was good, it was busy. Got up at four, you know, did all that kind of stuff, went running. Um,
1: Why'd you get up at four?
0: To try to be uh, physically aware? No, not really. Um. Truth be told, I don't really want to say. <laughs> Do you want to know? Yeah. <laughs> I'm embarrassed. No, I'm not really embarrassed, I promise.
1: Oh, it's because you have to take your medicine and then go back to sleep?
0: So, yes. One. Yes. I get. I take it at four, and then I usually actually kind of like just sit up out of bed about five. About an hour, an hour and a half later, I'm like, I'm good to go. Let's yeah. go. Um, no, I knew that I was going to have to drive back. We were up in Dallas and so I knew I was gonna have to drive back, um, but no, I went because um, I um, I've been feeling kind of like blah, and so my grandfather passed away this week. So that's been I've been around death a lot my life, um, I actually experienced it quite quite a bit, but it's just every time it does it never fails. It kind of just kind of hits you weird you know yeah it's just it's more like that idea of my grandfather was 84 he lived a decently long life um only a few problems at the very last two years of his life um but just that idea that he's not there you know and it was funny i was going back through my last text with him and he said i was talking to him about jewel having her first boyfriend <laughs> And I, I was like, you know, hopefully she keeps making, I said, he's a good guy, but hopefully she keeps making good choices. And he's like, yeah, she's, she will. She's like, at a, you know, she's growing up, but basically I felt like he was, you know, saying that I did a good job and that she would make good choices, but I don't always feel that way. So anyhow, but yeah, I think, I don't know what all experience with death that you've had, but I've had a lot but it just kind of hits it just hits weird
1: yeah i mean uh i haven't i've had experience with death but um i don't i mean like we were talking the other day i don't i don't feel like it's it's ever been like a super with with the exception of one of my Mm. close friends who died a couple years ago who i grew up with um you know most of it's like old people and um I guess when you're younger, like that was, that's kind of like one of my main memories of death is basically just having like either your grandparents Mm. or like some other like random old people dying. And so it doesn't really, uh, it doesn't really hit, it it didn't hit me like, yeah. And so, um, but I, I think about it like pretty, um, a lot more often now, uh, as an adult, I guess I would consider myself an adult. Just because
0: you're in your 30s, yeah, you're pretty. Much, I guess probably.
1: I mean, I have a six-year-old kid. So oh
0: yeah, that that minor detail. I
1: have all the hallmarks. <laughs> you have all the things. All the hallmarks of an adult. Okay, adults. <laughs> an aging body.
0: <laughs> oh, that <laughs> hot dad bod. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, baby. Want to see that in a suit? Oh, Giddy wait, up, I did girls! Last weekend. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, I feel it. Yeah. Um, so, and how do how do you feel like that affected you? Of course, if I remember right, you said you did not get you were not here for the funeral or the when your friend died.
1: No, I wasn't. Um, it did. I mean, I was I was living in Hawaii at the time, and it just didn't work out for me to uh, go. But it was. Um, it was just kind of surreal. I think the, the the crazy thing about it was that, um, I mean, at his age, I think he was
0: he was in his twenties, huh?
1: Yeah, he was probably like pretty young though. He I was think. probably like twenty five. Oh man, something maybe like that. Um, so I mean, you never expect it mm-hmm. when they're at that age, um, but it was it was kind of weird because like the last time that I had seen him. Um, I was visiting Texas and we, we were trying to connect, um, like the whole trip that I was here visiting and it just didn't work out until like the last second before I was about to fly back. And, um, and basically like he, he reached out and it was super, it was like literally the night before I was about to fly out, um, at like 11 PM. Like he, he reached out. And he ended up come over to, uh, coming over to my mom's and we like, you know, we just basically did like a, made a fire. Was and it then, just him
0: or was his wife there? Or?
1: No, it was just him. Uh, we ended up making a fire and then just hanging out like literally the whole night and just like talking mm-hmm. and hanging out and had a couple beers. beers um, <clears throat> to like, I mean, I didn't even go to sleep like because I had like a six o'clock flight. Oh, man. So I just... Pretty much was up the whole night, but that that was the last time I saw him. And
0: I guess that's a good memory, huh? Then, or I guess oh, yeah. you're thankful that you, yeah, saw I him. was
1: super super thankful because um, it, it was like a, it was just a really good good time of getting to um, connect with him. But you know, it's I think it's weird because it's so like, um, it's so when you experience it in that way mm-hmm. with somebody that's a close friend. I mean. It, obviously, it's the same thing for like a grandparent or something yeah. too. But it's like it's so, it's so final and irreversible. Like there's, right. there's nothing you can do about it. And you know, it's it's a very. It, I always just think it's a very sobering kind of thing. You know, yeah. it like brings everything into perspective.
0: Yeah, I think it's well. Yeah, I mean, death is just so final, you know. And and everybody has guess for me and some people aren't this way but for me it just makes me want to make sure that i'm in a good place with you know people if, if at all possible you know because you just don't know I, I think i i don't know if i mentioned that last week but three people i knew i think i might have in that other podcast in the like first episode three people in their 20s i've only acquainted with them didn't know them well but all you know died in car wrecks in the same week and it's just that you know for my grandfather who's 84 he lived a long life and you know maybe he wasn't on best terms at all times with his kids but you know by the end um you know I know my father had kind of made amends with him and you know and as much as could be made you know but um that you know it was a broken home as well and so that always there's always I think a little bit of um, you know broken broken pieces kind of you know right nothing's ever ever perfect I think after that but um, you know for the most part, I mean he uh, he was in his chair they when they found him and um, just doing his life every night he would, Read the paper, and or every morning he read the paper. But then he would get online. He loved to look at comics, and so he'd get online like the old vintage like comics, and he'd look them up and stuff. So you know he was probably doing something like that or crossword. But his heart just gave out. So and he had just actually been in the hospital a few days before that. But and Ubered home at that. Ubered (coughs) home. My dad calls him and says, "Hey, when you want me to come pick him up?" He's like, "Oh, I already Ubered home." (laughs) My dad's like okay, you know, so, but yeah, it's just that finalization. And then also, you know, for me, my own kids wanting them to know him more, but they did get to relatively spend, you know, quite a bit of time with him and stuff. So, um, but, and of course it's different if it's not like you're saying, like not somebody older or, you know, why my brother passed away when I was three, but you know, he was just a few days old and, but that hit my parents really hard. I mean, I spent the first Year of his, let's see, after his death, basically from me being three to four, three and a half to like four and a half every day in a cemetery. And you would think that might kind of mess with somebody's head.
1: Every day from three to four and a half, you went to the cemetery? Mm Mm-hmm. So he passed So, okay, I was
0: three and a half. So, and my sister too. So my sister was one at the time and I was three. So I had turned three in July of eighty-eight actually I think you guys would have been about the same age. You were born in 88 or eighty. I was born in 88. Yeah. So yeah. he was born in, um, December, no, November, I'm sorry, of 88. So like you guys were almost the same age. And, um, from the day that they buried him, we lived not far from the cemetery, which is why they even chose the cemetery. They did actually, it's wouldn't have been their first preference, but my mom needed to, you know, grieve that. and, and uh, so we walked. My my mom pushed my <laughs> sister at one in a stroller and I walked beside her and we went to the cemetery every single day for a year, at least a year. Wow. I vivid memories. And um when you're a kid, you my mom needed to go there to grieve and to like find closure. But I think as a kid, you know I don't know. It I mean it's had a strong effect on us. I don't really I'm okay to talk about it right now. You know, I mean, you never know It something can hit me and then I could cry about it, but I, I usually cry about it at least once a year, but I go out or like, if I'm funny enough, if I'm really upset, even though I know that's not where he is, um, I'll go sit out there and I will talk, you know, talk to him for lack of a better word, way of saying it. Because sometimes I feel like life is, um, has, you know, we all walk through difficult things and, so I'll just go sit out there on his grave and <laughs> just talk to him like he's here. Like, you know, if you were here, you know, maybe you would actually know what the answer is to some of these things, but he probably wouldn't either. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, so we spend that first year and then every year on his birthday or right around his birthday, we, but we do try to go on his birthday. We go out there, my mom and dad and my sister and I, and we usually, um, sometimes we sing happy birthday. Sometimes we just... You know, kind of take moments to remember him, but we always say a prayer and thank God for his short-lived life. And because my sister and I, I mean, my mom and dad would tell us, you know, all the time. And of course, my mom, she carried him eight months; he was born a month early. <coughs> and um, so we would talk to her belly and stuff like that. I mean, it's very all vivid for me. My sister, right. it still affects her, but it's not as vivid. But and I remember at the funeral, I would I would go and. Tell people, oh, it's okay. You can touch him and things like that. You know, I guess because my parents had told that to me, Mm -hmm. and I remember I had this little bell about, you know, a few, I don't know, three or four inches tall, and it was like pink. You could pull this cord and it would play this song, and I loved it. (laughs) It was like one of my favorite things, which I don't know why, but anyhow, I took that and I remember I put it in the casket with him, next to him, and and it was buried with him. And I thought for a three year old, that's pretty. You know, to be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to put my favorite toy in there, (laughs) favorite little thing in there with him. And I did. Um, But, yeah, so we did that. And the other thing I was going to say, it was so funny. And, again, I guess my sister probably didn't do it, but I always think of her as being there, but she was just one, so she was little. Um, But I would go. (laughs) I'm sure my mom thought, what in the world? But um, I would go into the trash cans. so the people that took care of the cemetery would mow it, and then they would throw all the old-looking flowers away. (laughs) (laughs) Right. <laughs> the fake ones. And I would go in the trash can and dig out the fake flowers and <clears throat> then I would take him and put them on his grave. <laughs> so, wow. but you know, I did that and my mom, but I think it's important. You know, my mom didn't stop me from doing that. She was okay with it. So maybe it was something for me. I don't know.
1: But do you feel like that experience kind of with death at an early age? And I mean, going to the um, yeah. cemetery every Every day is pretty substantial kind of thing. Um, do you feel like that, um, is kind of shaped you and like, is that kind of in your mind, like pretty frequently, like, um, in your life, like now on a day to day basis?
0: Yes. I would say, um, and I think it's funny cause people, you know, everybody handles death differently. Yeah. Um, for me, it became a part of it, death is, a, I mean, I guess for me it created this idea in my life, or in my head from a young age that death is a part of life. But it also, I think, um, created this idea of, even though I haven't always been good at it, and I'm having to, you know, it's still a daily thing you have to teach yourself, Or, um, but that things have to be mourned. And if you don't mourn them, they're gonna come up later. Um, my father didn't hold a baby for ten years. Wow, would not hold a baby. I remember the first time he held a baby, and it was a boy actually. It was a actually. Do you remember? <coughs> did you homeschool um with the Honus family? Mm-hmm. Okay, so it was Kenny Honus, mm. and that was the first baby he held after my brother died. And so um, it was 10 years later. We were all doing a um, 4th of July play. And um, I just remember my mom specifically and I both. It was very strange. And I think, you know, um, some of our close friends that all grew up out on Greenleaf, they were all part of it. And so a few of those ladies, I remember, you know, being there with my mom. And, you know, all of us kids were involved. And I remember um, they kind of kind of all looked at each other like, you know, what is happening? Yeah. Because I think, if I remember right, the baby, his mother was like, oh, here, you know, you want to hold him? Yeah. <laughs> and it was kind of like not an option, and so he took him, and it was it was beautiful. But then there are other times, um, you know, and I want to be careful how I say um, this because, I would, uh, you know, I don't want to, um, it wouldn't be disrespect, but I don't want to, you know, um, you know, put my dad in the, The spotlight but i mean there were times i think when you're a man you and maybe you can enlighten me on this granted i know you haven't lost a child but i know your nephew you lost him and um i think men because they're so if if i understand them right which i don't think i do but compartmentalized i think my dad was like oh Okay, the funeral's over. I have to go to work. Right. I'm not going to think about it for 10 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? I don't know what your thoughts are on that. <laughs> but So there were definitely a few different times in my life, um, probably 10, 12, in that, between that 10, 12, 15-year mark, that, um, yeah, there were a few times it got pretty intense in our home, and it all came down to why did that happen? Even though I would say my father was the one who said, why not us? You know, my mom, when it, when, when my brother first passed, my mom would be like, why us? And my dad's like, why not us? You know? Mm -hmm. And so my mom grieved right away and we went to the cemetery every day. And so I think it was, some people thought it was really kind of not okay. And it was morbid. I feel like it made me have a better understanding that death is a part of life. Right. But then somebody like my dad, He was upset and sad, but I think he dealt with it further down the line, you know, if that makes sense. So I don't know, maybe in his own way, you know?
1: Yeah. I think I could relate to that because, um, I don't know. I think for, for guys that it, it feels like you have to be strong and, um, there's not I mean, I don't know, especially back then, like these days, there's a lot more awareness of like men needing to being kind of embrace little... their like feminine energy <laughs> yeah. and all that, you know? But, yeah. um, I, I mean, even, even, I mean, in my experience, in my life, I've experienced something traumatic happening and just being like, well, I have to,
0: I still have, keep, to, go to, I have work. to keep
1: going. And I, I personally, that tends to be my, um, my like typical response mm. to something hard is to just kind of like blow over it and get back to like a positive state of mind. Mm-hmm. But
0: is it almost kind of like, I got to suck it up right <laughs> now, like suck it up and deal and you know, till later or do you feel like in, in whether it's death or something else that you, did you ever deal with the feelings or the situation or quote for lack of a <laughs> better word morning or you know or no or you're still like I don't know yet
1: (laughs) um well I can say with with death that hasn't been something that I've had to do a lot of processing on but it's been more just um like experiences that I've had in life like namely um growing up in my family and Mm -hmm. like there was a lot of like traumatic things that were happening right um at that time I wasn't, um, I, I, I didn't really feel like I had kind of the, the space or like the capacity to process or, you know, we didn't have like, um, a counselor that we were seeing as kids or anything like that. And I mean, we didn't even go to the freaking doctor. Like, (laughs) I mean,
0: (laughs) Hey, there you go.
1: Yeah. I, I remember like that just was not something that Mm -hmm. happened. Um, but, yeah, it, w- it was kind of just like we're going to cope with this and just move forward. But, you know, later, like a couple of years ago, like I was going through. As count-
0: an, as like an adult. Oh, okay. Yeah, so- yeah.
1: I mean, I was, I was going through counseling and um, like I ended up kind of, I think, dealing with a lot of things that were kind of stuffed down from like I mean, over a decade or longer ago, and um, my my counselor was uh, incredible. She um, she
0: was she um out in Hawaii or here in the mainland? Or? In, in Hawaii, okay.
1: Yeah, she was amazing. Um, I I was meeting with a, a male counselor for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Some of that was was like for marriage counseling, but okay. then it, I would also do it like individually. Okay, and um. And yeah, I ended I was up going
0: to ask what made you originally decide to go. Was it marriage counseling that made you go or were you like personal reasons you wanted to go?
1: Um, it was, um, I can't really remember. I think it was kind of both at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, I mean, I ended up, this is like after I, uh, after I got divorced, like I did counseling for okay. a little while, but, um, after I got divorced, I ended up seeing this female counselor who I was not thinking. I, I initially didn't think that it was going to be good. Like, I wanted a guy right. counselor who could. Okay, we're good.
0: Okay, you were saying that you um, originally were with a man. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I was seeing a male counselor.
0: <laughs> Thank you for enlightening me. I felt a little That's bit. That's a concerning. good segue, segue. Just kidding.
1: <clears throat> the bottom line is, is um, you know, she she was like just incredible. I, I met with her for um, a couple. It was like a couple of years. Oh. And um, we did EMDR, which sounds dude, really like. Dude, kind I want to do it so
0: bad. How do you? What do you think about it? I've it's, heard so many people talk about it.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a trip. You, Um
0: For anybody that doesn't know what that is, explain that.
1: Man, I wish I knew what the acronym was. It's like eye movement, uh, desensit- sensitivity rapid. Well, you can something. explain
0: what exactly yeah. what the... Um, so,
1: like, it was kind of discovered that um, if you stimulate, like, if you go back and forth stimulating different sides of your brain, like the hippocampus and the amygdala, that it does... Um, yeah. Welcome to science. Welcome to science time. (laughs) Uh, It does um, certain things to your like emotions and memories, and in I think it's either in your amygdala or your hippocampus. Like you have a place where basically like trauma is stored, and then that's where you feel like that's like the. God knows,
0: I believe that. That's
1: like the emotional kind of feeling side of your brain. (laughs) By the way,
0: it's eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. Yeah. Just, you know, for those of you that don't know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But the, the idea is that you, um, so I mean how it happened with me was like,
0: so did she do this or were there, did you go, did she send you to somebody else for this? No,
1: no. She She did it. Okay. I mean, basically all you're doing is like they hand you these things that you hold. It's like a buzzer in each hand Mm -hmm. and it goes back and forth. And they, so it's like vibrating in one hand and then the right and the left right. and back and forth. And While then they, they can like speed it up the, the rate and all that. But, um, you, you go through and you list, you know, uh, like bad experiences that you've had in your life. Of course I had a bunch and, um, <laughs> oh. and then you do like a scale of one to 10, like how, how much emotion it makes you feel. And then. So, you know, you start with the ones that are like the highest numbers right. and, um, and then you do that and it's, uh, you just have to experience it right. because
0: no, I've, I've heard so many people talk about it. Uh, it's something I, it's, I don't want to say it's on my bucket list cause I don't feel like it's a bucket list item, but it's <laughs> kind of on my bucket list. Yeah. I kind of, yeah. Anyhow, this year, <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> I want to dive headfirst into a bunch of traumatic events, <laughs> That's my 2020 goals. God
0: help me. Well, it might as well be this year, right? Yep. (laughs) While we're at it. So, you know.
1: um, Get me ready. You know the um, Willy Wonka movie where they go into that tunnel?
0: And then he's screaming and he's like. ah." Yeah.
1: It's like a, it's like an LSD trip, but they're on a boat.
0: But you're on a boat.
1: And it's all these like visuals and stuff. It it kind of feels like that a little bit because you start thinking about a memory and this is happening and it's like you go into like this time warp and uh, there's no drugs or anything like this is just your brain doing it so god
0: knows i need this it
1: like it it will literally like bring up memories that you don't even know were there and in like all of these things and honestly you're just kind of like it's like you're reliving it and in something about thinking about it and they will kind of check in with you like right. while you're doing it to make sure you're okay. But something about thinking about those things, having that experience, it gets really ramped up emotionally. And then it's kind of like this release, but it, it's, it's, I mean, it basically just seems like it goes from this emotional thing to it's more like an, an objective memory. So it goes from a really emotional traumatic thing to you just, you recognize that it happened, but it doesn't have like all of this kind of weight with it. Right. And I did, I did that for a lot of things. Um, and it, it really helped. I mean, it, um, I just remember feeling like a lot lighter, like every time I would do it, I would leave. I mean, a lot of times I would like end up crying and stuff, but that, that kind of brings like right. a lot of, uh, a, a release in itself, oh. you know, physiologically.
0: Man, I want to try that. You know, I've done... I think I've told you before. I've done neuroemotional technique. It's a muscle testing type. It's very similar, I think, to that, where it brings up these memories that you're like, I had no idea. But I do want to try this because I think that it could be, you know, a positive thing. But it's like weird when you have... um, I feel like that's probably similar. So when I have an NET session it's literally like weeks or months of counseling in one day. So I'm assuming that is probably very similar. And so, but there's no, like, it's not like you're re traumatized. Well, I don't know how that is. I'm not like re traumatized. It's just these things like, um, for instance, we'll, I had this one session and we'll call this guy Tucker. Um, (laughs)
1: names have been changed to protect the guilty
0: <laughs> absolutely <laughs> um and freaking oh i
1: thought you were i thought this is like your counselor's name or something
0: oh, no 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 a guy uh, that i went on a date yeah. or two or five with and um no one five dates but he really liked me and i had kind of you know basically my doctor who doesn't
1: was that small hands
0: it was small hands <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay just making sure I know yeah, where we're you at. Yeah, know
0: where you are at. Okay, so, but then come to find out he was a twin, and he was born super early, so, like, I kind of prejudged him. I mean, I wasn't judging him on that. I just can't be with somebody. <laughs> I don't mean it like that, people. I know everybody's taking it the wrong way. Um, no, but, like, anyhow, but he, he, he was perfect, like, too, like almost too perfect, right? But, anyhow.
1: He <laughs> just had one downfall. <laughs>
0: I mean, he's one of the most gorgeous people I ever met. Right. But <laughs> they were smaller than mine. Okay. So anyhow, so um, great time. Like,
1: I just had the stupidest thought.
0: <laughs> oh, what? Can you tell me?
1: I was just thinking about the I Want to Hold Your Hand song by the Beatles.
0: <laughs> well, he's like, like
1: trying to woo you and like, I want to hold your <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, that's what I was gonna say. Is like that because you know all this stuff, and I'm like, please stop holding my hand like that. You know that the like, all he would hold my hand where you do the fingers, like you know, like that. And I was just like, please stop. In Babe. my mind, <laughs> it was like, you know, don't. I
1: don't like it when I see your hands.
0: Please don't, please don't, So not No, um, no. He was a great guy, amazing dad. Like, like, just honestly, I don't even know like what went wrong. I just know I was in a bad place and. Uh, so I th- I think I, it was a subconscious self-sabotage. So that's why I started doing the NET um, and come to find, well, not because of that, but because of several different things in my life yeah. um, that I kind of built up. And so anyway, funny enough, we end up, I end up, you know, at the doctors and literally so much trauma was, you know, associated with that really, really tiny, short relationship, and, but it all came down to, to the 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 phrase "too good to be true," and so, basically, my doctor's like, "Look, anything," and we went way back to my childhood, which went back to me not having my own room, and that's probably a story for another day. But, mm. you know my my mother had a, um, my aunt was a. Uh, diagnosed with down syndrome and she lived with us. And so when she came to live with us, um, she obviously, she was 40 something years old. She's going to have her own room and my sister and I are going to share a room. And, and I don't, I never even realized it was a thing till we're doing this neo emotional technique. And I was very, you know, into this guy, but then all that. Hands, yeah. <laughs> yes. Anyway, basically too good to be true in my subconscious never happens. So um, I kind of keep self-sabotaging I'm learning, so I got to stop doing that. Mm. Um, and, uh, but it all went back to this memory of me being nine years old and not getting my room, my own room that I was really excited to get, which wow. is, n- there, and there's nothing, I mean, you probably never had your own room. I don't know if you ever had it maybe when you were older, but you know what I'm saying? Like you had a bunch of siblings. I, it shouldn't have been something that affected me that way. And mm-hmm. it did. And I didn't even know. So, but it's really interesting. Point being, that's why I'd like to try the other, the EDMR or whatever
1: it's called. So, EMDR, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, oh, that's cool. I didn't realize you had done that. I knew that you had done counseling, but I didn't realize that was part of it. Yep. So, so yeah. you would suggest it then?
1: I would. I mean,
0: recommend it, should I say?
1: Um, if you, I yeah. I mean, it's it's not. There's nothing to lose from doing it. You know. Pretty much like. If you feel like you have, like, a great life and you don't have any issues, then, I mean, you're probably not going to be in counseling anyways.
0: I got issues. Definitely. But,
1: <laughs> I mean, for me, it was not – did. e- I didn't have to, like, rack my memory to find out <laughs> if, if I could churn up any trauma, you know. it was just, like, boiling under the surface.
0: <laughs> is right there. It's just so many things.
1: Yeah. Um, so – but I, I think that counseling in general – Is
0: I think everybody should have a little counseling. Do you think or no?
1: Um, mostly pretty much. Yeah.
0: Because I just think about,
1: I think there's still a stigma with it and that people, I mean, I was even kind of thinking about it. Like I wouldn't want to,
0: there is stigma.
1: Like people would, okay. For example, you're you're at work and you had to take off work to go to the doctor. Right. Nobody's going to be like, you have to go to the doctor. Yeah. But if you were like said. I have to go to a counseling appointment, <laughs> like oh, I'm yeah. not saying they would oh, say yeah. anything, but I would be kind of uncomfortable saying that. And I did like because I would meet yeah. with this lady so like do you every the
0: doctor then huh
1: every week and I had to take off a little bit early. yeah and I was like, I have a recurring doctor's appointment. <laughs> That's what I said.
0: <laughs> what, I was like what? I'm not
1: gonna talk about this shit <laughs> with you guys
0: well you know okay so let's uh, this is perfect segue because i've been thinking about this um so my kids right they've been in a lot of counseling i've been in a lot of counseling myself as well psychologists psychiatrists therapists you know what whatever version there is we've probably seen them all. um but so my kids had started seeing a psycho. they had seen a therapist here um in our town but uh when a few different things came up and as I, you know, have said, I didn't have the easiest, you know, custody situation. Yeah. So, um, basically it came to a point last year where, um, we needed a psychologist, but not just a psychologist, like specifically pediatric and that had had many years experience. So we found one, um, close to actually the Houston area. And so, um, she's amazing. And, 30, you know, 30 plus years of experience, all that. So anyhow, she, uh, the kids went, you know, they had always seen the other counselor, I believe either during the lunch hour or after school. But with this one being in Houston, they had to literally leave class once a week. I think it was at one or one thirty. And so, you know, I always wondered now my kid, I don't know if my kids actually said to their classmates while they were leaving, but I've thought about that and I did even like, I shouldn't have been, I shouldn't have felt that way, but it was even weird for me, like having to sign every day, you know, once a week that I signed them out, you know, cause they were missing school, but I knew that it was for an important reason, obviously, yeah. you know, and it was, you know, uh, my kid's father was there as well. So it was a whole, you know, it was a whole kind of family affair, you know? So, yeah. um, but yeah I, you know I it, it the question though is like will there ever not be a stigma on that or I mean I do feel like people are more accept uh, acceptable is that the right word accepting accepting of yeah now, but I still think about yeah my there's kids, just like, a
1: like, lot more awareness in general about mental health stuff these days I had a I mean I wouldn't have want I wouldn't have wanted to be dealing with like, heavy issues back in like the early eighties or something. Um, I mean, I had some conversations. I mean, I had some conversations with, um, you know, with my dad about some of his experiences Mm -hmm. with, um, depression and things like that. And, you know, I remember talking to him and I was like, dude, like, why didn't you go to counseling or like deal Mm -hmm. with some of that? And it was just kind of like, well,
0: They just didn't back then? or
1: It was just not a thing, I right. guess. But also that was like in, you know, church world.
0: I also wonder too if it was... Which, which
1: is kind of just like, there's like a spiritual fix to it.
0: We have God we don't need. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm going to put it right out there. Yes, we do. God, if there is a God and a creator that everyone believes in, then God gave people brains and made them wise and let them be you know, able to get an education and they can study something and actually yeah. be smarter than us in it. You know, you can't pray something away. That's not how it works. I'm sorry. And I, and I believe in God. Yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not, and I'm not going to judge somebody else, but from my own personal experiences, like you don't just, we're, we, it, it, if the God of the Bible is true and the, the words of the Bible are true, that a lot of what we grew up in and, and what we're still involved in, especially being in Texas You know, if that's true, then, you know, I guess I'm trying to, like, figure out exactly where I'm going with this. But if that's true, then I just believe God's given man wisdom because we're fallen. So, like, to study. I'm not wording any of this right. But basically, if the fall happened and we are a tainted people now, right? All, All have sinned. Right. (laughs) Apparently. Um, then we can't just, I just don't think that's how it works, but I'm probably not. We could do
1: a whole episode on that topic. Yeah.
0: So we're not going to like dive into that now. But what I'm saying is I think psychologists and psychiatrists therapists are great. Mostly there's bad ones in every, you know, Yeah. in, in every profession, there's people that are sketchy.
1: Yeah. I mean, my last comment on what you were talking about, or, oh, you know, the, yes. the church stuff yes, and I'm all sorry. that was like, people don't, um, you know, people don't do like, well, actually there are people that'll do, you know, like a kind of a healing prayer circle. If you're like, been in one, broke your leg or something, you know, but like, you're still going to go to the doctor and you're going right. to get some freaking, like thank it you. <laughs> thank you.
0: That's so, But that's what I'm talking about. So my doctor once told me so i'm going through this divorce right just like basically just i mean it was not easy let's put it that way you know i mean they were trying to take my kids from me and so um and there's a lot more there's many more details to all of that but um in my you know crazy messed up world at that time you know um basically had this nervous breakdown and and it was kind of like you didn't feel you felt in one way it was like awesome i'm gonna go i'm gonna get help but then in another way you feel totally judged like oh god she needs help <laughs> you know uh-huh. but i'm telling you my and i said i might have said this before my psychiatrist said um he's amazing i love him he and i drove a few hours for him too and i you know still see him here and there but um he was like, you need to be ready for your kids because one day they're going to yeah. need you. And he's like, you cannot go over the edge. So, you know, basically, he's like, you're not insane. So you'd feel like you're going insane. So we're going to help you not. And so I yeah. think therapy really, you know, right? it was important, I guess. I don't know. So Yeah, absolutely. I think there is definitely a stigma in general, but especially back <laughs> Yeah, probably in the 80s even the 90s, dude.
1: I mean, I think like the under the the reason why there's a stigma about it is that there's an underlying kind of idea attached to there being a stigma that your life is like not that hard or like mm. there's that you should be fine. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like
0: you should be fine that yeah.
1: I yeah. so like the more that you just talk to anyone if you actually get down to it you know, like everyone has something going on, you know,
0: yeah.
1: that that's, and, and that's kind of like one of the reasons why I think we like basically are doing this podcast Absolutely. is because, you know, um, Cause most, most people, that, you people in, that
0: aren't going to go to counseling, no,
1: just <laughs> <laughs> come and be counseled. Sorry, I'm not so
0: We're not, ca- this is a disclaimer. We are not counseling you. We're sharing our own thoughts <laughs> of our exactly. own experiences.
1: But, um, you know, my, my experience is, Everyone puts on a mask. Most people do. Yeah. And then if you really get to know them or you really get to dive in, then you find out what's going on. And it's like across the board. So I, I like, I mean, when I was going through my divorce, I got to a place where I was like, didn't give a shit. Yep. And, and that kind of helped me not, you know, I, I was not concerned about any kind of a stigma or yeah. anything like that. I was just like, I want to be healthy and right. be a better so, like, like i don't want to be dealing with like bullshit from 10 years ago right kind of thing and um, exactly it was huge super huge
0: i mean it makes it makes a massive difference
1: it's just like maintenance basically you know yeah. like you you don't um you don't drive your car for like twenty thousand miles without replacing the oil or doing right. like all the normal stuff mm-hmm. like i think that that similar to like exercise mm-hmm. and eating healthy yes. it's kind of the same okay. thing like you know
0: I think so too, because I think like when you're going through trauma, you know, you can go to your weekly or biweekly, you know, sessions, but I think that maybe, you know, a couple times a year, if, even if you're in a good place, it's good to go kind of what I was going to say earlier that I, I totally didn't get to cause I went off rabbit trail, but, um, was it, that's what my doctor said. I'm going through this divorce and, um, this is like my medical medical doctor. She's, she was also amazing. And, uh, she said, yeah, she goes, um, If an ambulance pulls up on a car and somebody's freaking (sighs) femur is broken half and they're literally bleeding out, they take them to the hospital. They Mm -hmm. literally wrap it and they take them to the hospital. And it takes a long time for something like a femur to heal. But she said, our society, for some reason, has a stigma on counseling. And it's about, it's the same thing. You could be bleeding out internally and nobody has a clue. And that's exactly what was going on with me. And nobody had a clue. But of course it's because who you're not going to tell anybody or that's where I was. What's really going on inside. And there's, I think there's a lot of people like that or things that happen to people as children or like you're talking about. And then all of a sudden all this stuff is sitting right on the surface and you're like, oh oh crap, you know? So I think that, um, that's when i finally so she in a in my one of my other doctors you know they were like you probably need to take something for situational depression and anxiety you know and it it was it's super it's almost embarrassing and it shouldn't be you know why do we feel that way it's like oh god you know something must be wrong with me and she's like nope if you literally were bleeding out right now would i just sit there and stare at you No. And she goes, and all those people who want to judge you or anybody else for taking medication for when you're dealing with something like that, she's like, they wouldn't sit there and watch you bleed out either. Even if they didn't wrap your leg, like if you were literally bleeding out, she's like, they'd call 911 so that they could wrap your leg up. Yeah. So. Right. Case in point. Bitch. Yeah. Drop the mic. (laughs) (laughs) So point being, I think it's great. You know, and it's not fun at the time, you know, and when you go, I mean, I personally had, I mean, the first psychiatrist I went to, everything that happened in my divorce and marriage, you know, was so just deep and drastic and there's so many, you know, just corners of it. And he was, he was like, you know, the first few times he's like, there's, I see that there could be like a personality, how did he call it? It's, um. Bipolar. It's like, and it's not, quote, personality disorder. It's personality.
1: Schizophrenia.
0: No, no, no. I'm not hearing voices.
1: Manic depression.
0: <laughs> Darn it. It's like, it's an, it, I guess it is a personality disorder that he thought it was, but it wasn't bipolar or something else. I'll have to think about it. It'll come to me. But basically, he said, okay, so are we back on? Okay. Yeah. So um, basically, what I was saying, is that um, when I first went to this psych? This I saw again. My case was over many years. Saw many doctors, many types. But the first psychiatrist I saw, who was great, he was in the Houston area too, in the Woodlands, and um, he uh, he said you could have this, like the, But he's it, it was a type of my word. I'm gonna have to think of it. Cause it's gonna drive me insane.
1: Excessive use of memes <laughs> <Yes>. Sidus <laughs>
0: Yes, that would be me <laughs> Very funny No, basically like
1: <laughs> You're like, I'm just going to put that down That comment down as a trauma
0: I am Trauma <laughs> Okay, I saved my You're copying me Remember
1: when Joel used to do the Dear Diary thing? <laughs> Dear Diary Dear Diary jo- yeah, with the accent Joel said something nasty to me today in the <laughs> podcast I he was said, trying to tell him my, about my mental illness and he made a joke. <laughs> he's a rat bastard and I don't like it.
0: <laughs> yes, I remember.
1: <laughs>
0: and it makes life so much better. I miss that guy. Um, Daddy's great. Shout out, Joel.
1: Okay, so okay. there was a.
0: No, but basically, the doctor said. Yeah. You could, we could be looking at this <laughs> if I could remember what it was. Lord help me. Um, but uh, yeah, he's a not bipolar. And um, I don't know how many sessions later he's like, no, he did his job. <laughs> His job was to look and to discover, did his job, and he said, no, you've got situational, situational depression and anxiety, and it's causing you, you've never dealt with it, and it's causing you to respond yeah. in this way. And then I went to other doctors, and they, you know, they all said, throughout the years, you know, moving and things like that, and they all said the same thing. And, um, and so then when my medical doctor basically gave me that story that I just shared, it was just kind of this like, oh, okay, you know. There's nothing wrong with me. I've just actually been through something harder than I realized. Because I think a lot of times I, I share, sometimes I share my story or not my story, some parts of my life and people are like, oh, wow. And I'm like, I don't know any different, you know? Yeah. So probably the same for you. Um, but all of that to say, I'm all about counseling. My kids have gone to counseling. Now they're, you know, just they go, kind of quote as needed. Um, right. But I think it's been good for them and I think it opened up their eyes to the fact that I think that they'll go as adults when they need to. Cause God knows they're. I'm their mother. They're going to need to go to counseling. So <laughs> <laughs> I mean that in the best possible way, but they're going to be like mother. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, know what they're
1: I don't think they're going to have to go to counseling because of you. I think that, you know, life just has difficulties regardless it's of true. who you're raised by and it's true to varying degrees. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but parenting's hard, right? So (laughs) sometimes it's like you just feel like even though you're not necessarily doing, you know, you try to do your best. And I think there's this whole, I think, you know, my parents did as best as they could. I'm trying to do the best I can. Hopefully my kids will do better than me and so on and so forth. I hope. Yeah. I think that's kind of the thing or should be.
1: I was thinking today um, and, you know, as you know, I'm, currently still trying to get, um, the custody thing figured out.
0: Yeah.
1: But, um, something that kind of has been crossing my mind is that, um, like it, like it, and you know, I, I'm obviously trying to figure out kind of things in life. There's tons of things that I don't, I, it's like, I still feel like a kid about that's why you and, had to ask
0: me if you were an adult earlier. Huh? That's why you had to ask me if you were an adult earlier.
1: That was just uh sarcastic.
0: Mm-hmm. We'll pretend like it was sarcastic. <laughs> Go
1: ahead. Um, but you know, like I have a kid mm-hmm. and I was just thinking like, man, he's Like he's at the age and, and I still talk to him and FaceTime yeah, and all that. Course. But you know, like he he's at that age where he can start asking a bunch of like deeper questions, mm-hmm. you know? And I was just thinking like, oh, dude, like,
0: you know, those are coming
1: (laughs) just kind of like as, as a parent, like you imagine, like when you look back, you think like your parents had the answer to everything and they should have, you know, they should have had shit figured out and all that. And then, you know, you get to that point and you're like, ah,
0: like, I don't really think I have the answer, but I'm going to try. Yeah. So then you BS something and. No, you do try to give the right answer, but.
1: I think that what I don't really want to do. The big one for me is, well, as a parent that I don't want to do is to give, um, you know, kind of like. I mean, how I think most Christian kids are raised. Yeah. Which is just like... Right. They'll ask you a question and they'll just be like... Your parents will just be like, well, here's the answer. Right. Because that's what the Bible says. Because um, that's like most of the... I feel like a lot of the questions kids start to have is like... They're kind of like existential yeah, questions at times. Absolutely. And I, I don't want to... Even like regardless of what I believe, I don't want to be like... Because I already see my ex-wife doing that, mm-hmm. you know? Like she, she will just... Kind of drop him a line. It doesn't, it doesn't like awaken anything in his brain about curiosity of like right. grappling with ideas, you know?
0: Yeah. And like it, even a love for learning, it's almost, a, I feel like there was a stigma on going to college for kids that were homeschooled in homeschool Christian families growing up. Uh, I, yes, they did go. A lot of them did the start, started doing the homeschool college thing, but. Um, it was literally like, (laughs) it was literally like trying to keep you away from the world. And I don't think keeping you away from the world's the answer because let me tell you world. Yeah. Um, right here, case in point, married, divorced, done like everything opposite of what my parents ever wanted for me. Basically. Yes. My sister too. And, uh, not that my parents aren't proud of me. I know they are, you know, And, and they've told me that and my sister that and. But I don't... I see kids that live these... That had no boundaries. And... They're either great people. Or they're completely effed up. I see kids that had more boundaries than my sister and I. Same freaking thing. They're either like... Like on... Either they're like continuing that train of like... You know... Pharisaical religion. (laughs) Or they're like completely opposite or they're balancing in the middle. So I really, I think it's a heart matter. I've said this every time I know. And I don't know really what that means, but it, yes, of course, I think it's important to raise your children, to be moral and to, I just had this conversation with my godmother. It was so funny because you said, um, it, the, the whole thing about like, this is what the Bible says. And we were talking. we were actually talking about homosexuality because everybody has different views on that these days and even biblical views on it. And you know, you could sit there and you could try to argue. That's not, I'm, I'm not that person. Um, but, um, it was just an interesting conversation that we had. And I told, what I told her was I said, of course I, I kind of (coughs) have the Bible in our, part of what we learn and believing in God and that type of thing when, when it comes to my own kids. But I said, I always like to give science if I can, I like to give a secular viewpoint as well. I do not, my personal belief and everybody's different, but this is kind of one of those places where I am, I am at and I don't know, I have no idea where my parents are or any of my, you know, quote close friends are on it. Um, when it comes to this, but I'm not even talking about homosexuality now, but what I'm saying is that I will give a, you know, a quote, what I think the Bible's viewpoint is, or maybe I won't. Maybe I'll be like, what do you, th-? I actually will ask my kids on multiple things, not just the Bible. What do you think? What do you think that says? Or how do, how would you explain that? Because it gives, yeah. it makes them feel uh, also like they can have an opinion and they can actually use their brain right. to like deduce and like yeah. come to a conclusion. And so I do the same thing, and but I but I did tell that to my godmother this week. I said, but I also try to have a secular. And in- I have every I, I try to have every answer. But see my de- but with my degree being in, I mean it was international politics, but I had to sit in there and argue viewpoints I didn't even believe in, right? So you you if you were given a subject, you had to f- argue pro or against. So. It makes you learn how to see multiple sides, and I, I think that's great myself. Yeah. Because it helps you have a little empathy for people, too. Just my thoughts. So,
1: yeah, yeah, that's good.
0: try to do that with my kids as well.
1: As long as they end up being Republican. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just kidding. Oh, God forbid they don't. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Um, yeah, man. Yeah, th- it's been crazy these past few...
1: This is the thing. This is like, I think the thing that probably freaks me out the most about being a parent, being, uh, yeah, being a dad. Um, is you, you kind of realize that. I mean, I don't, I don't really think it's true, but I, in some ways, I feel like the way that you're raised is, um, has a huge impact on like your kind of path in life, you know? So, like, you know, you see like cycles of poverty and people yes. staying in Agreed. kind of lifestyles like that. And then you see like super affluent families and like what happens to those kids. Yes. Like all of that has to do with like how you were raised. 100. Yeah, and okay. the thing that freaks me out is I don't want to, um, you know, I don't want, uh, Liam's life to be limited mm, by like, by, you. by me. And, and that, that's something that, that's something that that. challenges me a lot because (laughs) I, I kind of think, you know, like I want him to think that he can do anything, but I like, I also have to kind of be that kind of person and like model that path for him or else he, I'm not saying that he can't ever see that, but I mean, I've experienced that in, in just where I've come from, where like, I still have mindsets of a certain expectation in life Mm -hmm. and it definitely has to do with the fact that like, you know, I spent a lot of time in a single wide trailer right? and there is, you know, we weren't in a certain kind of class. We weren't, we weren't like, I mean, I, in the big picture, like it wasn't that bad. Mm -mm. You know, if you compare like the whole globe, to like what we are going through. But
0: I also have lived in a single wide trailer, (laughs) the same one that you lived in.
1: Yeah. Side note. Yeah. (laughs) yeah.
0: Anyone would like to know.
1: That's a tricky situation. That is a tricky (laughs) situation. Go on. Keep going. But, you know, like so much, so much of like what we experience in life is really just a comparison. It's like a relative Mm -hmm. comparison to like what we have around us. So even though like, I mean, I didn't, I didn't have like people in Africa who had to walk like 20 right. miles for a bucket right. of water right. to observe. <laughs> to I just, know. <laughs> I just knew that <laughs> I like,
0: should be thankful I, I could turn my faucet on.
1: Yeah. Right. I felt like I was the one who was having to walk 20 miles for yeah. a bucket of water, you know, growing yeah. up. So that, that kind of, that's been one of my, my number one things, um, since I moved out to Hawaii. Mm. Um, and, and kind of distance myself from my family. Right. Um, not, I mean, it, it, in a way it was kind of intentional cause I had to, I wanted to change my mindset. You
0: also needed to be able to make your own way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So my question is so two things. So one, how do we not do the same to our kids? Um, and then, um, yeah. So, we, I mean, I was going to say two, how do we, um, begin to, you know, make that change for ourselves. But I think what you said is even just little things by, you know, separating yourself and it it has nothing to do with love and can, you know, condition for family. It's about setting boundaries and, and making a change for your own self. Right. Or.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I want to say at the end of the day, it's, it's kind of like a mindset that you are not assuming that, you know, everything and that you have something to learn. So as a parent, if I, if I'm coming at it, like I have the answers, you know, that's not good. And especially like if I look at the fruit of my life Mm -hmm. and I'm like, that's not what it could be. Like, I don't want to, you know, kind of shackle my son with like my reality because I haven't opened up and pushed more and Like, like discovered more or learned more.
0: Or if you're cynical and jaded. Some people that will remain nameless. Um, (laughs) I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be 65 years old and sitting in my house angry at the world or that I'm, you know, mad that I had to work so hard for something, but my kids don't have to work as hard for it. I don't know if that makes sense. But I also... So I want to have that perspective, but I also think that there's a huge key in what you said of yeah like not saddling our kids with like our perspective I guess I, I don't know if that would be the right yeah. way to say it but my god I mean I think and even giving the example about having to walk you know 20 miles for water or whatever I mean that's a huge reason I want my kids to travel I don't want them to just be in America I, I love being an American citizen I love the U.S. 100 percent all this mess that's been going on it makes it literally breaks my heart because we're so blessed and half of these people running around acting like idiots in my opinion that is just my opinion that is not the opinion of <laughs> this podcast <laughs> no um i'm like why can't we be more thankful you know um because we're so blessed and so i've done i've had the opportunity to travel a lot around this world and Every single time those wheels hit the ground, that airplane, when I get back, I can't even explain how thankful I just want to, I literally want to get down and kiss the ground. And that's not being dramatic or over exaggerating. It's literally how I feel. And I I mean, I was in another country when 9-11 happened. And so, um, I've had a variety of experiences between that. And so I'm so thankful for my country. That being said, I've already taken my kids out of the country. Uh, to visit and I want to take them more places because I think it's... Uh, even if you don't take them out of the country, if you can take them to other parts of the country that aren't maybe... It, maybe if you live in an affluent neighborhood or in a, even a, even in a middle-class neighborhood, a nice middle-class neighborhood, take them to some other parts of the country. You know, um, it's, I mean, I'm not saying you want to take them to the ghetto of Chicago, but I'm saying like take them some places where... Yeah. They, you know, you want to stay safe, but I'm saying there are some places that it's not the same as the, you know, <laughs> the neighborhood in the woodlands, you know, yeah. on the waterway, you know, yeah, and and help them appreciate what they have, and so that that's one thing I always wanted them to travel and uh, why oh, they've yeah. already been out, it gives them perspective. I think it's super Don't important to get
1: outside of the outside of the U.S. Big time. I mean. For starters, you can go to other states and different areas, <laughs> right. but like, I mean, to get outside of Western culture, yeah, pretty pretty much, you know. I mean, yeah, I've the, I mean, my only really experience outside of Western culture, for the most part, would be, I mean, I would kind of think Italy counts as Western still. Um, they uh, they do, yeah, yeah,
0: but it's still different though, Joe. It's, I mean, Italy different. is not the same as the U.S.
1: But no, it's not the same as the U.S., but it's like tiny. just the way that they do things in general, the you structure, mean, have, of, yeah. you know, all that. Um, when I went to Vietnam, that was um, that oh, was kind of a we weird one. But I just like that was a that was a great experience, too. I mean, uh, at the end, it was a work trip. Um, but at the end, like I just um, I got to stay in a, a guy that I in a guy that I worked for. I did design work for that lived in Hawaii, he owned a hotel right. in Vietnam. Okay. And I got to stay at his presidential suite in oh. his hotel for nice. free nice. for a couple of days, but I rented a um a little motorcycle mm-hmm. and I just like drove all around the countryside oh, and Vietnam. yeah, and um it was it was super trippy cuz you know, like you're just like driving down this random like dirt road and all these people live back in there and it's pretty you know destitute kind of just
0: in the woods or in the rice
1: fields fields. and like they're just there you know Mm. and it doesn't feel like it it just feels completely different than anything that you've seen or felt before in terms of like a neighborhood or all of those kind of cues and things that you Mm -hmm. have in your mind like you can go to the poorest area in America, and there's still going to be a stop sign and traffic lights. But like going somewhere like here, it's like they didn't like barely even have any of that. Wow! And you know, it was obviously no building codes or anything. Like, um, it's it's obviously important just to get a bigger perspective, right?
0: Because I think you know, I mean, I haven't been anywhere in Asia, and I've really liked to go. But promise also has been in, well; she went to China, not Vietnam, but. Uh, she went to China, um, but still it was, she's, you know, that idea of it's so different than here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Much bigger perspective than, you know, what we're used to in the Western world of the U.S. Yeah. You know.
1: Something that I would really, really love to experience, and I was um, re- looking up this recently because of the SpaceX thing. Right. Um, there's this thing called the overview effect, which is when um, astronauts have experienced this when they've gone up into you know low Earth orbit or yeah. basically they've just gone into space and they look back at the Earth and there's this effect of like, oh my gosh, that's like the planet. Like wow. everything that we know and understand like about life pretty much is so in tiny. that like ball right oh, there. Oh my God. And there's this kind of like this trippy, like mind thing mind that, that happens. Yeah. And, um, anyways, there's a psychologist or some people that have talked about it and they say that you can kind of experience that without having to go up. It's like, it's just thinking about the world in that sense. Mm. And that I think kind of ties into traveling and yeah. getting out. Cause if you're so, I just can't relate to people that like, they just want to stay in one town their whole life, in you know, the same town or like yeah. our
0: tiny town. I'm like, don't you want to go? So? No, I cannot comprehend it. I know I've met people that haven't left our state, ha- haven't left like one city and yeah. I can't, it boggles my mind. Granted, I maybe have a different personality, but I can't even comprehend like just being okay with this. Who Who's okay with this? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's okay if you're one of those people. (laughs) I just can't comprehend it, like, for myself. Yeah. You know? And I know there's homebodies.
1: You know? Right.
0: Not me. Yeah. My kids don't have a choice. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, oh, I see how it is.
1: Jude, get in the van.
0: (laughs) You're going cross country. (laughs) You don't have a choice. (laughs) Uh. But, yeah it's uh it's um I think it's really important I guess when it comes down to it to give your kids a you know yourself yeah. a, a better worldview and your kids and also realize you don't have all the answers. I think you know that's I mean ultimately that's hu- that's the ultimate humility I think too is realizing you don't have all the answers and even if you're pretty sure you're like this is probably pretty close to right like being humble enough to like at least recognize somebody else's, viewpoint even if you don't agree with yeah. it i think it's important to recognize it yeah you know
1: definitely it's kind of boring to live in an echo chamber
0: yeah who wants that i don't want to listen to myself all day long
1: so even if i do talk to myself when, all day long when um when i was talking about that overview effect thing yes. um it i was thinking earlier because i knew we were going to talk about death and all that mm-hmm. and um um Oh, I think I was just the, talking about the chamber, about, right? But um, how, like death death is something that brings perspective to everything. It's kind of like this great um, equalizer, you know, in One, life. Yes, and um, I think there's something there's something to kind of keeping that keeping that at the forefront of your mind as you're. Just living your life, um, I don't know. Every um, every once in a while, I I think about that. You know, like I mean, I could get hit by a freaking bus tomorrow. Nothing's guaranteed, um, and I think I think what I imagine that overview effect. If you went to space and looked back at the Earth, the ur- Earth, the uh, the Earth, Earth. I feel like um, <laughs> like the feeling you would get would be like oh like like you take so many like small things like way too seriously and you're just looking at like this like holy crap like we're all just living on this rock that's just like floating right. like there's In such space. like bigger things going yeah. on um, but then then like that's I think kind of the thing with death too like every day like, I mean, it's it's like nonstop, just like all the bullshit that's like going through your head because of other people, because of social media, because of your own issues, like I'm trying to pay the bills, my right. student loans, whatever. Right. And like, if you just die, then, you right. know, it's like it's all gone. So well, it's, it's there, but I don't know what the point of that is, other than the fact well, that it's, it's, it's something that brings like r- kind of clarity and. You
0: know. Right, I think it's like it brings. Well, I like how you called an equalizer because it is because we all die, we don't get to take anything with us, and it the hard the hard part is, I would say, is the people. That sometimes, in our opinions, don't deserve to die, die. And the ones that deserve to die, don't. And you're like, why does that person get to live to 100 years old? They're a piece of shit. <laughs> and then, you know, the my, my good, like, dear friend Lonnie's 30 years old. And freaking dirt collapses on him. Dirt collapses on him and he dies. What? Wow. Are you kidding me? Like that, that's, that's your ending. Mm-hmm. Like for one of the most beautiful souls and humans I've ever met in my life. One of the kindest people, maybe other people don't think he's kind. I don't know, but yeah. I spent a lot of time with him and I knew a lot of his friends and everyone said the same thing. And so I think that's like the hardest part about deaths to me is that, that question mark. Sure. Anybody could be like, well, is there life after death? Sure. I don't even want to touch that with the info poll. Like, yeah, I, I, I'm not going to go there, but we, we can save that for another podcast, (laughs) but that, that question of, you know, that's, I would say that's the most painful thing for me, but that also being said, I think it does just remind you, I mean, or I guess kind of to close things out, what are your thoughts on how should one live (coughs) knowing death is so near?
1: I mean, I think that you have to. What's that, is that a Tim McGraw song? Live like you were die. die yeah.
0: <laughs> yes, perfect. Are you gonna go ride a bull. <laughs>
1: Let's do it. I mean, I think that's kind of it. Is like, how would you live if you know if you that's knew right. that you were probably gonna kick it pretty soon?
0: So right, people are given months to live, right, or weeks, or you know, and they go out and they do everything that ever scared them, like right. it, like the song, right? Yeah, yeah, ride yeah. a bull, jump out of an airplane, all these things. Yeah. Why aren't we doing them now?
1: Yeah, that's that's something I think about a lot and I feel like that's kind of my thing in life right now. It's like, what are the things that I'm just not doing on a regular basis that are kind of freaky to me that would like really open up my life a lot more if I didn't give in to that kind of like hesitation or fear? Because if I if I knew... For a fact that I was going to die in a year, like there'd probably be a lot of things that would change. Yeah. Don't you think? I mean, I don't think that you can actually sustainably have exactly that mindset because like you would probably do some things that wouldn't like you wouldn't plan for after a year, which is important to have somewhat of a future (laughs) mindset, you know, but I think in general, like living, living in a way as though you're not really guaranteed anything. Yeah. Can I tell you something like kind of creepy that's happened a couple of times in the last like couple of weeks? Yes. I know it's a weird thing okay, to that's sort okay. of you end can, on, but you can tell me I remember perfect. this earlier. Um, I've had two different dreams. Mm-hmm. Um, And I, I, I mean, it's, it's very bizarre that I've never had, had a dream like this, but um, there was, two, I think in the last month I've had Two different dreams where one of them, the first one that I'm thinking of, like whatever was happening earlier in the dream. Hmm. It, I didn't even remember what it was, but basically the dream was I was in a plane and... Is this
0: why you have not come flying with me?
1: <laughs> no, I love flying. <laughs> okay. I love planes. Okay. But... But... I, I was... I was in a plane, and it was like a commercial plane. And um, for some reason, I was like kind of more up in the cockpit area because Mm -hmm. I could see out the front window. And we were flying, and I was kind of like up. And it was basically just like flying through clouds, and everything was gray. And then all of a sudden, I felt it drop, and I go under the clouds... And everything was clear, and I was. Still on
0: the, you were still in the plane.
1: Still on the plane, and in, I go under the clouds, and I'm heading straight towards a mountain. Like it was, it was. Uh, Joseph. It was Hawaiian okay. mountains. Like it was, it was exactly like the mountains that used to be like outside of my apartment that I would look into every day. Like I could see all the ridges, everything. Like it was Hawaiian mountains, and I go under. And it was, it was so real. It was You've like had
0: two dreams like this.
1: I'm trying to, I got to think about the second one, but, okay. um, it, it, I mean, I'm telling you, it was so vivid because it was like that moment where I was like contemplating my own death and I had literally like three seconds to realize that I was going to die. And, and did I, you I
0: get to know what you thought or did the dream end?
1: So this is the this is the weird kind of thing. Um I mean, I I I'm not regularly praying. I'm not right. doing a lot of church stuff, but I just remember going under the clouds, seeing the mountain. I'm like looking at it getting closer, and the the only thing that came to my mind was basically I think I said Jesus save me, and then I like crashed into the mountain and it was just Okay, it,
0: wow. So, so that okay.
1: was that was one dream,
0: and the other was similar. You think <laughs> you you don't remember?
1: It was it was similar. It I was in a plane, and I think it was the same thing where I was just like spiraling down and like crashed so into the ground or like something.
0: Symbolic? Are you expecting me to die soon? <laughs> like,
1: I don't know what it is. I'm not but
0: laughing, but I, you know, and wow. You know, it makes me think, okay, let me say this. <laughs> well, you say whatever you want, but I
1: don't I don't think it was nothing.
0: No, it's something, that's for sure. It's something, that's for sure. But even if it's about remembering to live your life like you're about to die. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe like I don't know, it sounds kind of spiritual, too. So <sighs> there's kind of like this like spiritual side to it, but um Yeah. You know, with my grandfather's death, um He had three kids, and, you know, my father has always loved his dad so much and always wanted such a, you know, a deep relationship with him. Probably kind of more like the one I have with my father, which is cool. It's kind of, you know, I would say now that I'm older and life's been a little hard, mine and my dad's relationship has been a little bit... um, There's been a little more tension here and there, but we still have always had a very close relationship and um so for my for my dad you know it didn't it didn't matter he um he's always just chosen even kind of like he chose the pain too of just and I can say this now that my grandfather's passed you know and I don't want to dishonor his memory or anything like that and I wouldn't um but now that he has passed I can say that um, he kind of took what he could get, right? Um, but the kind of, you know, the sad part is he's definitely estranged from one of his sons and um, and his daughter. It's the same thing. I mean, my grandfather just chose a life that unfortunately didn't really include his kids. And so until they were older, once they were older, they could choose to be a part of his life or not. And... um My father chose that because, but my father's also a middle child too. So I always, I always equate that to, to part of the middle child always wants to fix things. And even my aunt and I've had that conversation. They want everything to be okay. You know, they just, so they kind of play this with all their siblings kind of, right. Just kind of like, okay, I'm going to make sure everybody's good. Like, you know, you're kind of a middle child yourself. You're somewhere in there. (laughs) And, uh, And so I think, so for my father, he was just like, you know what, even if it's a shallow relationship, I'm going to take it, you know? And so he did. And, but also, so he and my aunt, they both um, became Christians when they were young. And, um, and I think that that whole idea of grace and forgiveness, they were able to, even if their relationship wasn't super close, they were able to kind of hold on to that. And they were able to love their father, even if it was from a distance, you know, and um, so they did, but it it has made me think. And, it, and I love my grandfather, and, um, you know, I didn't know him as well as I wish I had, you know. But I, I, you know, I still, you know, I still love him, you know, so much. And it's been really difficult, but it does make you think in, like, hearing your dream. It's this <laughs> idea of... it makes you think about your life choices and it makes you think about how you treat people. And yep. I guess, you know, and, and I think, uh, you know, just that whatever life you do live, that you live it for a higher purpose, I guess. Right. I can't think of a better way to say it, but you know, I don't want to die alone. Right. And I will throw this in there. I know we need to end, but I love, I love, Bob Goff all day, every day, every day, one day. We'll have him on the podcast one day. We could just call him up. We do have his cell phone number. It's in the back of his book. <laughs> so. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, you didn't That's know crazy. that? That's no. crazy. Yeah, so we could call him. Um, I wouldn't call him right now because it's so late, but um, yeah, we can call him. Um, but he says, he always talks about who are your eight. And he said that eight changes over time but basically he said about somewhere between six and eight people can fit around a bed. Right. So if you were dying, what eight would you have? You know? And he said, he even tells people you're one of my eight. And they're like, what do you mean? he's like, don't worry about it. Just, you're one of my eight, you know? Mm -hmm. But, um, he says a lot better than I do. So I've been thinking about that a lot lately too. Yeah. You know, but I have seen it change, you know, 10 years ago, my eight would have been a very different eight people. Yeah. But today it's some, you know, other eight people. So anyhow, it's a lot to contemplate and think about.
1: For me, I, I think my takeaway from this, the whole death and the airplane thing and all that is, um,
0: please don't die. I don't want to have to do this podcast alone. (laughs) That's my only reason I don't want you to die. I'm going
1: to do my best not to (laughs) die. Um,
0: no, I have other reasons, but I think think my (laughs)
1: takeaway is like, I want to reorient and kind of refocus myself more to be attentive to other people's needs and look to, you know, give and like, um, see how you can kind of serve other people. Cause all of my most like fulfilling moments in life have been when I was doing something like that. Um, yeah. And in, it's just, it's too easy to get kind of wrapped up in your own shit that's going on. And that's always like the most like sad times when you're just constantly um, focusing on like you whatever you have going on in your own life but if you can step outside that then that's where like you make like even better friends you just feel better because like it just feels good to be there for other people and then you know your right relationships you know expand and all that well, kind of exactly. stuff exactly,
0: and I think the whole idea of you know, I mean, you and I both know her, but, you know, I've got a friend I need to sit down and have a conversation with. I mean, if she died tonight or I died on the way home, like. Be hard. Right. Yeah. Uh, that would be like the, the thing on my mind. I could I wouldn't be able to stop thinking about it. Or like right. with my kids, I don't want to be, I don't want it where one of my kids is completely estranged from me when I die. Yeah. That's terrible. Like when you think about it, it's sad. I mean, I mean, people make choices, but like you, right. there's something in your life that caused that. And I don't want that. You know, if there's yeah. something so in me that causes my kid to not have anything to do with me, right. like, God, please forbid the day. Like I, I want to be humble enough to say, I'm sorry. And I was wrong. And you know, so that that yeah. doesn't happen and, and your kids. One thing, but you know, family, friends and all that. I mean, I just like going back to that. Um, <laughs> scripture I, know I can't even think about where it's at right now but basically like make it your ambition to like lead a quiet life work with your hands and then i think it like somewhere in there it says like try to live at peace with the world or something like that and yeah. it's you know it, it, to the best of your ability Right. and i really want to do that you know and i'm working on it i'm not good at that you know me yeah not not my biggest <laughs> trait but
1: i think that's a good place to start probably for i i feel like if you're trying to kind of If you're thinking about life through the lens of like, you might die, which is a morbid thought, but that's a good place to start is to, to look at like what relationships would be like left undone, Mm. you know, if you didn't get a chance to.
0: So good. Yeah. Cause it's true. And now it's making me think. (laughs) Hmm. To me, it
1: seems like we actually have some good stuff to say. I
0: know. It's so good. I love it. Podcast two. Ring tap.
1: (laughs) You know how you, uh, you know how you make an aunt, an Aggie baby. How I used to do this with my ex-wife. Wait. you just take your take your ring and no no you just go. <laughs> just, I love it. Just That's my it new together. favorite. That's how Aggie babies rub are made. Those ri- <laughs> rub.
0: Yeah. perfect. Just- I love Aggie baby.
1: <laughs> you gotta make the noise
0: though. Oh, <sighs> and the ring's got to rub. <laughs> yeah I love it that's a perfect place to end
1: it <laughs> on that note on
0: that note I'm Cecilia Rhodes thank you Rhodes. I'm Joe Hameter
1: and this has been another episode of Tricky, Tricky Situations, Situations. <laughs> <laughs>